Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Amazing. Yes, thank you very much indeed. That was really good. Thank you. So from Thomas Merton's New Seeds of Contemplation. There is a country whose centre is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. You will not find that country by travelling, but by sitting still. It is here you discover acting without motion, labour that is profound repose, vision in obscurity, and beyond all desire, a fulfilment whose limits extend to infinity. There should be at least a room or some corner where no one will find you and disturb you. You should be able to untether yourself from the world and set yourself free, loosening all the strings and strands of tension that bind you by sight, by sound, by thought to the presence of others. Once you've found such a place, be content, love it, and return to it as soon as you can, and do not be too quick to change it for another. Well, it's a great treat to have the uh, high school band with us today. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for being here. Your youth and enthusiasm just goes to challenge me as to think about what we're really about uh, here, all us old fogies at the chapel. We always say here that our purpose at the chapel is to mutually encourage each other to live life more skillfully. And your presence here challenges me to think about what our priorities might be in this area. What skills are we trying to develop here? There are lots of ideas that we could have about how to live more skillfully, treating others as we might want to be treated ourselves, following our passion, being diligent, helping others, being kind. But for me, the priority is not really about ideas at all. It seems to me that the world is full of competing ideas, so much so that wars are fought about them, and capitals are stormed because of them. Now, it seems to me that the most important thing in life is not about what we think in our heads, but what we do with our hearts. That's why, for me, the practice of meditation is right up there in the most important skills that we can learn in our lives. Many of us here have been doing some sort of spiritual practice for years. And it's no bad thing at the beginning of a year to remind ourselves about the importance of practice. Because meditation in this context is not about thinking. It's about taking our attention from our minds and putting it in our hearts. Our heart, the center of ourselves, the seat of our emotion, the seat of our feelings, of our connection with the essence of life, that which drives us. It doesn't think, it feels. It doesn't strategize, it responds. 
It's the place of compassion and empathy. And if there's one skill I wish I'd been taught earlier, it would be the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with my heart. That relationship with our hearts as opposed to our minds is what we call spirituality, the work of the spirit. From the Latin spirare, which means to breathe, and meditation is the work of the breath, the essence of our relationship with life, breathing in life and breathing out life. You know, when people come to see me uh, in my office, one of the questions I invariably ask them is, where does the rubber hit the road for you spiritually? Because I think it's an interesting question and the answer varies for each of us where the rubber hits the road for us spiritually. In essence, it means, you know, when you come down to it, what is the most important thing to you in driving the essence of your life? It could be anything. It could be playing music. It could be walking in the mountains. It could be reading. Whatever it is, it's that which encourages the essence of your life. And for me, it's meditation. That's where I do the real business of engaging with reality. And I think it's interesting to work out, you know, where the rubber hits the road in your life. You know, what do you do to engage with the deep things of life? People often say to me that they're, I'm not getting anywhere in my life. You know, what must I do to make a change? And I often use that analogy of, uh, of being in a sailboat. You're in the sailboat, you know, and uh, or in your life, and you're thinking, why aren't I changing? Like being in, a, in that sailboat out at sea, you're bobbing up and down in the waves, and you're asking, why aren't I going anywhere? Why aren't I not moving? And the answer comes back that in order to move anywhere in a sailboat, you've got to put the sails up. Of course, the sails, duh. And the same thing is engaging with the essence at the heart of life. You've got to metaphorically put up the sails and have a practice where you pay attention to what's going on in your heart in order to move forward is the equivalent of putting up the sails. The practice is the way that you develop your relationship with the essence of life. And you, people call it your spiritual practice. It's just the process of practicing the skill of making that connection with the essence. Any activity, as I said, can be a form of spiritual practice, so long as you've decided that you're going to use it for that purpose. Sometimes we set up circumstances to make that happen, and that's the practice. Now, many of us here do have a practice, you know, do something regularly to develop our relationship with the divine. And if you don't, you know, I would suggest you uh, at this point in the year to maybe take one up. And if you do have a practice, is it rigorous enough? Or are you just going through the motions? You know, what can you do to deepen that practice? Because I'd like to suggest that it's of vital importance, particularly in the times that we're living in at the moment. Rowan Williams, the last Archbishop of Canterbury, said, to put it boldly, meditation is the only ultimate answer 
to the unreal and insane world that our financial systems and our advertising culture and our chaotic and unexamined emotions encourage us to inhabit. He said, to learn contemplative practice is to learn what we need so as to live truthful, honest, and loving lives. It is a deeply revolutionary matter. And that's because that insane world, our financial systems and our advertising culture, are all based on ideas, competing ideas. Meditation is taking your attention out of your head and putting it in your body through following your breath. And as such, it takes the power from our minds and puts it in our hearts, in the, in the source of our compassion. Many of us identify with our minds, and the thought of leaving our minds fills us with fear. What about our personality, who we really are? Well, as I said here before, personality comes from the Greek word persona, and the persona was the mask the Greek actors wore in ancient times to speak through. It literally means persona, that which is spoken through. So our personality is the mask that the mind has learned to speak through. And by taking our attention out of our minds and putting it in our hearts, we allow the hearts to shape our personality also. We begin to speak through our hearts. So the practice of meditation is allowing our hearts to form us as well as our minds. And in doing it, we're saying yes to an essence in life, a feeling, emoting, compassionate essence. And I want to encourage that part of me. That's what we're saying to ourselves. That's developing a skill in life that can make us a better human being. And by including it in our lives, we're allowing that compassionate side to drive us like the wind in the sails. Now, there are yards of books on meditation, but for me, it's about sitting quietly and deliberately taking our attention from our mind and putting it in our breath, breathing in and breathing out, following the breath. And every time we notice a thought, we just let it go by like a ship passing on a river that we're watching from the riverbank. We let the thought go and we bring our attention back to our breath. And for me, when I'm meditating, there is nothing more important in life than keeping my attention on my breath. It is a statement that my heart is the priority at that moment, that I'm cultivating my ability to feel and be compassionate, to have empathy, to be guided by life rather than to force life to go my way. Even for those of us that have been doing it for some time, we do need reminding about it because we do take it for granted. We do our practice and we forget how important it is, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. As Rowan Williams said, it is a deeply revolutionary matter because to learn contemplative practice is to learn what, it, what we need so as to live truthfully and honestly and lovingly. And it's the only ultimate answer to the unreal and insane world 
that our financial systems, our advertising culture and our chaotic and unexamined emotions encourage us to inhabit. We're challenging the primacy of the mind and encouraging the primacy of the heart. And I can tell you that it works. As the heart grows more, so the mind becomes the servant of the heart, rather than the usual way where the heart is the servant of the mind, as the mind encourages the heart to pursue anything that seems delightful. When the mind's in charge, it uses the heart to test whether or not something is delightful and then goes after it. When the heart's in charge, it tempers the mind to pursue whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, to think about such things. It's the difference between greed and service. One is for the self, the mind, the other is for the good of others. For me, the beginning of the year has to be a time to consider what we're really about. And I want to encourage all of you to review your practice. How is it serving you? How committed are you? Could you go deeper with it? It's often said that we live in difficult times at the moment. And I want to repeat that quote I used last week from Garshin Rinpoche, who sent, spent some time in prison. And, and he said, the extent of your realization or your enlightenment will be known when you encounter difficult circumstances. You do not know the extent of your realization when things go well. When you find yourself in a troublesome situation, when you're in great pain, when an intense emotion arises, only then will you know where you are with your practice. Well, I invite you to ask yourself, you know, when were you last in a troublesome situation over the last year or in great pain or with an intense emotion? What did it tell you about your practice? How did it serve you? Could it have been more effective? If so, I'm just suggesting that you review your practice and think about how to improve it. Maybe the frequency, maybe the length of time, maybe the focus you have could be sharper. Maybe you just do it occasionally when you just think about it. For me, there's nothing more important than my practice when it comes to living life more skillfully. It's everything because it's where I allow life to speak back to me, as opposed to my normal state of bitching to life about the way my mind thinks it ought to be. My practice allows my life to speak back to me, to guide me, to fill me with the love and compassion that will give me some of the skill to navigate my life. Now, I'm not saying I always get it right. My son Samuel will testify to you that I don't. But I, at least I'm in the game and I'm refining what I'm doing. And that enables us to find that place that Thomas Merton speaks of, the country whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. 
You'll not find it by traveling, but by sitting still. It's here you discover acting without motion, labor that is profound repose, vision in obscurity, and beyond all desire, a fulfillment whose limits extend to infinity. There should be at least a room or some corner where no one will find you or disturb you or notice you. You should be able to untether yourself from the world and set yourself free, loosening all the strings and strands of tension that bind you by sight, by sound, by thought to the presence of others. Once you've found such a place, be content, love it, and return to it as soon as you can. Do not be too quick to change it for another. Well, I'm just going to suggest we maybe just spend a little time looking for that place right now. Just have a little a practice of it. So I'm just going to invite you, wherever you are, just to maybe close your eyes. And just notice whatever's going on in your mind, the thinking that's there, any preoccupation. Why am I doing this? What's going on? Where's my coffee? And now just let go of those thoughts and bring your mind just into your heart, your breath. And keep your attention on your breath, breathing in, breathing out. Your whole attention being on your body, on your breath. When thought comes your way, just let it go like that boat going down the river. Don't follow it. Just bring your attention back to your breath. That's all meditation is. The attention outside the mind place of repose, where life can speak to you. Amen. Well, very aptly, I think, uh, the band is going to now play Abide With Me. You know, practice, you know, I mean, for me, it is the be-all and end-all of everything. I mean, if there's one thing that we're here to do at the chapel, I think it's encouraging practice. Because, you know, in encouraging practice, you're encouraging people to go to their hearts. And that's then what drives, you know, their transformation, the transformation of conscious. I mean, for me, it really is all about practice. Yeah, I think that... um it's helpful what you said about, in a way, practices any act that when we habitually undertake it, it takes us to a deeper place. 
Like it can be anything. And so, so then the question for me is, what, what does my heart recognize as beautiful? And what do I want to give my time and attention? What do I want to do? What do I want to, to be my practice? But in terms of meditation, um, uh, which is, you know, one of, I would say one of my, my practices, I, I think there are two, if I can just, there are two, um, analogies that I think are really helpful for me. Yeah. One is just the thought of a, um, a wheel, just endlessly, like our mind, just endlessly, endlessly going around, it's sort of agitated way that we live, you know, that, monkey mind and that in meditation it's like the, the, a spoke in a wheel just goes in and just stops it that's what I find so helpful in um in centering prayer you know when you return to your sacred word or your breath that it's like putting a spoke into a wheel and um that's just so helpful and the other analogy that I find just lovely really is is um thinking of like a, a diver before he dives um he's just poised on the top of the thing and um it's that pause. It's like meditation is the pause. So much happens in that pause. If he just went off and did that dive, he'd be all at the effect of everyone watching and the, you know all the ego stuff. But it's in the pause. It's in the meditation. Yeah. Um, that where where it all really happens. And you know, I find that we do have to remind ourselves. You know, because. I mean, I'm, I'm doing, we've been doing meditation for 35 years or something like that. And yet, you suddenly find yourself going through the motions. You're not absolutely engaging. And I think one of the things of doing this today is, first of all, to get, you know, to remind ourselves that we do have to really engage in it. We can't just let it be, you know, like, like any other practice. It has to be real, that idea of a beginner's mind, that every single time we come to meditation, we have to say, start from the beginning. We have to set our intention, and then we have to do it. And, you know, also, some people don't have a practice or find it difficult. And a little advert here, but if you, if you haven't got a practice or, or you want to start it off, then your meditation is every morning, Monday to Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, 9 till 9.30, Mondays to Thursdays. When's yeah. the next one? Well, this week we're not doing it, so we do three out of every four weeks. Yeah. So not this week. The next one will be Monday the 25th. So Monday the 25th. So you've got a few days grace before you start, <laughs> but if you wanted to start a practice, then if you join Heather on Monday the 25th, that's quite a good way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, and you know one thing I just thought, one, one line, I mean, it's maybe it's a bit cheesy, but it's helpful, is that when you're faithful to your practice... Your practice is faithful to you. Yeah. And we can't measure the, we can't really measure, like it's not our job to measure the, the fruit of our practice, but there's something in that, that when we're faithful to our practice, our practice is faithful back. And I think it's also important that, that you know, when you do your practice, you don't do things that, that you don't want to do. I mean, people say, oh, you must do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening every day. Well, that just doesn't work for me. You know, on, on, on Friday and Saturday, I like to watch Homeland or whatever it is. You know, I, I want to take some days off. So I take Friday and Saturday off. And you, know, you don't have to do it for 20 minutes. You can just start with three minutes a day. And that's yeah. when I started, when I began meditation, I had three minutes. And I just added little bits of time as I went along. And you've got to find your own balance. For some people, the balance is over here. Some people, it's over here. Whatever's going to serve you can't be sitting in meditation going oh, i wish i wasn't doing this yeah. you have to actually be wanting to do it i think exactly it's following your heart like what does your heart want what do yes. you want uh, what's what's beckoning you what's drawing you yeah. um one final thought if we have time is is just that i i i emphasize this so much 
all the time in, in our morning meditations, but there's something about our med meditation not just being about our, for our own spiritual development. I mean, that's pretty boring at the end of the day. Yeah. I feel like within our practice of meditation, the focus can always be on, on those around us, our community, the world. You know, there's just, who knows what effect a, a, a true meditation practice has. And that's always my hope and aspiration is that it's, it's at the end of the day, an act of service. Yes, you know? fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And again, very appropriately, be thou my vision. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.